0: Welcome to the Redeemer Queen's Park podcast. Redeemer exists to connect Jesus to people, people to community, and community to mission. We meet Saturdays at 4 o'clock at Salisbury Primary School in Queen's Park. If you have any questions, just give us a shout at hello at redeemerqp.com or check us out online at redeemerqp.com. Now, let's listen to another one of our Bible talks. So the word today is in Colossians 1, from verse 15 to 23. I'll give you some time to find it, or to flick through your device to find it. Okay, it reads like this. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all, of all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all things, all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through the blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies, enemies in, in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through the death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, Established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Well, that's the consequence. This gospel is that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the word of the Lord. Summons this up.
1: Thank you, Luis. Good to see each of you today. Let yeah, me add my welcome to, to those that have already been given. Really glad we're, we're sharing this afternoon together. The time of Easter is uh, traditionally a time of rebirth, a time of renewal. This massive fact of the resurrection stands right in the center of it all. And it's a, it's a time for things to begin again see this with the trees outside. We see this with the grass and the lilies that have been coming up and through in the fields. It's a time for restarting. It's a time for refreshing. And we want to sit in that theme for two weeks as a church community. Two weeks to consider the theme, Begin Again. Specifically, uh, this idea of putting first things first this week and next week, hearing a very specific word from our King and Savior, Jesus, called Seek First. But let me, let me share a little bit of my heart with you before I share this word with you, because I think you're going to need to have both of them uh, to really be able to re- receive what's in here for us, right? As we think about beginning again and putting first things first, uh, we, want to, we want to follow Jesus here. We want to follow where our King leads us, and that's going to require us to listen to him, We're going to have more of that next week than this week, but this week and next week, I want to specifically talk with you about what would it look like for God to come first in our hearts. And in order for us to talk about what would it look like for God to come first in our hearts, we have to have a look, we have to have a listen at the thing that Jesus talked about with our hearts more than anything else, and that's our finances, That's our possessions. That's our material belongings. We'll see more of this next week, but you could think of these next two weeks as an important opportunity to hear from God's word who God is, what God wants. Now, I want to give you a little more of my heart with it, though, right? Um, This is one of those uh, messages this week and the other one next week. In my my mind, they're kind of like part one and, and part two for us all. This is one of those moments where I just want you to know I have a little bit of anxiety about this because standing here before you as a pastor at a new church plant, I'm sensitive to what this could feel like, yeah? But let me, let me, let me say this up front, right? Like this church has needs, but we don't have any sorts of needs right on top of us To where, like, we're actually like preaching for a number, so to speak. All right, so we can just like, okay, like that burden is removed from us. This is not some sort of like capital campaign. We're not raising money to buy a building. We're just praying God would just give us a building. We figure we just take the whole asking one another out of the equation. Yeah, so we can even remove that. Right? We're we're not at a moment of real pain or real pressure to where we should feel some sort of Corporate responsibility, if I don't do this now, then something bad's going to happen to somebody. We're, We're not there, okay? As a church, it's an opportunity for us to consider what does it look like to begin again? What does it look like for God to come first? And not just in our finances, but in every part of our lives. So, there's a way to hear this to where it's like, don't worry, like, we're not just talking about your finances. Like, God doesn't want, like, your finances. He wants much more than that. He wants it all, and he deserves it all, and he is worthy. So we ease into it with that in mind. Now, I want to give you the other part of my heart. I also come to you this afternoon as someone who's a part of this community, yes, I also come to you as uh, the best frame I've been able to find in the last couple days as an emissary on behalf of the king who's conquered and he's won. And I want to come to you and I want to, I want to share his heart. I want, to, I, want to, I want to speak this to you. I don't want to apologetically like, tiptoe around here hoping we don't step on any like emotional landmines. I want. I want. I want to. I want to speak on behalf of this king. I want. I want you to be able to hear him. I want you to be able to see him. And more than missing with somebody in the room, I want to represent him well. So with that, man, I really want to share with you this week and next week God's heart, but. I want you to be able to at least see and detect and have these have these glimpses of my heart as we ease into this together. Right. Final disclaimer, I lay you over these next few minutes. Okay? if you feel like anything that is talked about next is some sort of uh, power play or an agenda or man, maybe you say all that, but you still want to do this thing over here, then I encourage you with this up front. Gather up the biblical principles that I bring to you next. Take them and apply them in another church. Take them, apply them in another aspect of the kingdom, but take them and apply them. Because this is not like some weird messaging I got to do right here. This is God's heart for us. These are the instruction labels for life about where a full and a good life can be found. And if this feels like too much here, that's okay. There's no pressure. Gather this up. Take it to another great charity. Come see one, another pastor or elder here. There are lots of needy charities in this town, and we can give you that information, and you can go and be a financial blessing to them. Hopefully, hopefully that helps. Let's just get into it. Look, first things first. Talking about the principle of preeminence from Colossians chapter 1 that Luis just read. For us, the principle of first. It's the first principle about first things. Here's the good news this afternoon Jesus is for you, Jesus died for you, and here's the thing it wasn't necessarily about you. He's concerned with His own glory. He's firstborn, He's the first, He's the prototype, and it's not about us. He is preeminent in everything. He's not just first in terms of order, but He's first in terms of importance, right? He's before all things. And in every aspect of our lives, our goal as Christians, as followers of Jesus, is that as we follow Him month by month, year by year, there would be an increasing supremacy of Him in each of our lives. John the Baptist would be able to say, He must become greater, I must become less. This is what we want. We want his supremacy to take over our lives. We want to be shaped into the image of the son over time, right? When Jesus uh, talked about finances, He began in Matthew chapter 6, and He shares these words, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust can come in and destroy, or thieves could come in, break in, and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where they're safe and where they're secure. He goes on to say, No one can serve two masters. Either you're going to hate one, you're going to love the other, or you're going to be devoted to one and you'll despise the other. But according to Jesus, you cannot serve both God and money. Then Jesus unpacks this incredibly refreshing and heartwarming encouragement on worry and anxiety. And he caches all that out with Matthew 6.33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. Now C.S. Lewis was a professor up at Oxford University. Reading this and reflecting on the principle of first things, Lewis would reflect: you have to aim at heaven, and you'll get earth thrown in with it, according to Jesus. Or you can aim at earth, and you'll miss out on heaven and earth. Now Lewis said those words on a BBC radio talk during World War II. It was a later collected up, and it was put in his book *Mere Christianity*. The idea, if you want the first things, you have to aim for the first things. There's no guarantee if we build our lives putting second things first that we're going to get the first things. They have to go in first. Lewis goes on to talk about, like, think of a woman who makes her dog the center of her life. A dog is a second thing. but well, Imagine a woman, she puts the dog right at the middle of her life. She loses things. She loses her own human usefulness. According to Lewis, she loses her own dignity. And she loses the proper pleasure of having a dog. Because you took a second thing and you put it right at the middle of your life. And you said this second thing will be my first thing. And your whole life really doesn't fit. It doesn't work. Lewis goes on to explain, like the man who makes alcohol, the chief good, he loses not only his job, but he loses his palate, and he loses all power to enjoy everything else. You took a secondary thing, and you put it in the middle of your life, and you made it a, your great thing, your first thing. Well, you think about how that thing made everything else in your life not really work. You can see where we're going here. You can't get second things by putting them first. You get second things by putting first things first. So if Jesus is not first in my life, if Jesus is not first in your life, if Jesus is not first in the life of this community of faith, then there's a very real sense to where our lives are out of order. God's first, and he won't do with second. He won't do with leftovers because he is preeminent and he invites us. He invites me and he invites you and he invites all of us together as a faith family to recognize the fact that he is first and then to order our lives around his preeminence the whole message is simply that god is first genesis chapter 1 verse 1 there's no beginning before god he's first he's triune love father son and spirit he's first no one else is there no one else is advising him he's there and he creates in his own image and likeness god went first john 3 16 romans chapter 5 verse 8 verse john 4 19 he went first He is the great initiator in our salvation. He went first. Therefore, He deserves to come first in our lives. He's worthy. We're not talking about something that He doesn't have rights to. We're talking about something that He deserves. He deserves to come first in every aspect of our lives. And I, I'm, I, I feel this, right, is I say it to you, like honestly, like it's processing in my head as it's coming out of my mouth. There's parts of my life that aren't even necessarily like crazy sinful. They're, they're just areas of comfort. Maybe they're not like outright sins against God that I don't want to give up. It's just like ways of kind of doing this and a way of doing that where I don't want him to come first. Because I want... My own way. I want my my own opinion. I want my own comfort there. But he is worthy. He is worthy of our hearts. And what we do with money then, it has a way of exposing what's first. You can follow the receipts. Actually form a paper trail. Most of us have a compartmentalized view of the Christian life we view god and maybe specifically even money as two separate boxes within a chest of drawers. Colossians 1 comes along and says Jesus is not simply a drawer. Jesus is the whole dresser in which everything else fits. So let's let's hear from the word. Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 to 20. It's con- it constitutes what a lot of people think was an early Christian hymn. I think that's helpful, right? I mean, before this incredible band was standing here, there was this. This was, a, this was a church song. This was a hymn that the believers would get around and they would sing through verses 15 to 20. Beautiful hymn at that. Like twin theological towers, we have the lordship of Jesus Christ over the Christian Over the creation and over the church. Have lots of Old Testament themes brought in right here. Let me just show you these these four ways in which Jesus is first in Colossians chapter one. The first one's this. Notice Jesus is first in creation. The one that we're saying we want him to come first. Like I'm telling you, I want him to come first in my life. I want to see him first in your life. I want to see him first in this faith family is the one who is first over creation. So think about this with me, right? Don't worry about the other stuff. Just pay attention to these verses. Verse 15 says he is the representation of God. He is the image. He is the icon. Also used by Paul in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Jesus is the exact imprint. He's the exact representation of who God is. So you take your phone. You're scrolling around on your phone. You see all those little dots that are apps. And you click on one of those and it takes you deeper into the app. Uh, Colossians 1 verse 15 says Jesus is the icon he's the app picture of God you want to know who God's like just click on that and it'll take you all the way in so you don't have to wonder what, what did God do what did God say how did God treat people how did God treat women how did God treat poor people how did God treat other men how did God treat people in power just go look at Jesus Read about him, turn the pages of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and behold him, he's there, and he's first. He is the representation of God. He said in John 14, verse verse 9, he who has seen me has seen the Father. To look at Jesus is to look at God, and he's first in creation. He's also the manifestation of God. He, he conveys outwardly what's true of God inwardly. He makes God visible to us. So he's the image of God. And the French reformer John Calvin says, Christ is the image of God because he makes God visible to us. Because of this, we must be careful not to seek God elsewhere. For outside of Christ, all that claims to be, be God represent, represents and turns out to be an idol. And if, if you're not a Christian and you're here today, Like, just, you heard it from Luis. You're you're hearing it from me now. Like, I don't need your money. Like, I don't want your money. Like, Christian church, like, I don't need your money. Like, I don't want your money. I'm trying to get you connected to God. And a great way we work on that connection is to talk about this. But if this feels a bit foreign to you, then just consider Jesus. If God became a man, we would expect him to come with miraculous style and fashion. And Jesus did. Jesus did. If God became a man, we would expect him to be sinless, and Jesus is. If God became a man, we'd expect him to perform miracles with ease, and Jesus did. If God became a man, we would expect him to utter the greatest and most profound words that have ever been said, and Jesus did. If God became a man, we would expect him to love perfectly, and Jesus did. And if God became a man, we would expect him to exert the most powerful influence over every other human who ever lived, and Jesus Christ Did he is God and He is Lord over creation? Look at verse 16. He's the firstborn over all creation. It's the word right there, the Greek word is the same word we get the word prototype from. So it's a it's a word of chronology, it's a word of priority. Y'all see the same word used in Luke chapter 2, verse 7, when it says Jesus was the firstborn of Mary. Now it's an old testament term, it's not dealing with the idea that Jesus was born. It's a priority term. It's a ranking term. The Lord Jesus has sovereignty then. He has supremacy over all creation. He is before all time, and He is above everything in terms of authority. And verse 16 goes even deeper to address the extent of His magnitude and creative agency. By this Jesus, who deserves to come first in our hearts and first in this church, by this Jesus, He made everything. Things in heaven and things on earth, things up there and things down here, he made it all. Visible and invisible, what you can see and so much of reality that you can't see, he made all of that. Thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers, all the heavenly hosts, all the good angels, all the bad demons, this verse says it all comes from him. By him, through him, and for him. He is creation's location. He is creation's agent. And he is creation's goal. And he deserves to be first. Warren Wearsby says, when it comes to creation, Jesus Christ is the primary cause in that he planned it. He's the instrumental cause in that he produced it. And he is the final cause in that he did it for his own good pleasure. And verse 17 is beautiful. And he sustains everything. And just think on this, everything. Like I woke up with a headache this morning, right? And staggered around the house, just trying to get myself together. He sustains everything. Some of us are over employees or over companies and we look after major accounts and we know how vulnerable things are. We know how, how, how susceptible to attack and error things can be. Jesus sustains everything. If he were to remove his breath from our creation for a moment, all of this collapses, ceases to be. And he wants to be first in your life. He was before all things, and in him, all things consist or cohere or hold together. He's massive, he keeps the cosmos from becoming a chaos. And he deserves to be first in our lives because he's first in creation. Look at verses 18 to 20. He's also first in the church. Verses 18 to 20. This means he's the leader in the church. Paul now comes from his lordship in creation to his lordship in the specific faith family and in the community. Talks about Jesus being head in verse 10. He's the sovereign head over the church. So he's the source for the church. When the church wants to know what are, we, what are we to do, you don't have to look to a pastor. You don't have to look to a ministry leader. You look to Jesus. But Jesus, what do you want me to do? Just follow him. He's the head. Everyone else in the body, me in the body, I have a role to play, but I'm not the head in the way that Jesus is head. And we look to Jesus. We listen to Jesus. Well, all this then leads to cosmic and personal realities that we all have to really weigh up. All of this has a goal. Is that in everything he might be preeminent? It might be his name that we're talking about. It might be him that we're ordering our lives around. He's the one that actually causes us to have to bend and move and fit our lives differently. As we begin again as a fake family, just let me tell you it's Jesus, not the elders that come first. It's Jesus, not the members that come first. Jesus, not the new people that come first. Jesus, not the new deacons that are coming in that come first. Jesus, not the community group leaders that come first. Jesus, not the staff that comes first. Jesus, not the people who give a lot of money that come first. Jesus, not the people who don't have anything to give at all that come first. He is not interested in being our co-pilot. He is not interested in coming up second in our beauty contest. He is not interested in riding in the back seat of the car while you and I drive around through this course of life. He is first. He deserves to come first, and He will. So in our worship, He is to be first. In our witness, He is to be first. Then as we go from here, in our work, He is to be first. In our play, He is to be first. And in our wants, in our heart, He is to be first. Here's the danger for the Christian. The danger for me as your pastor. Warren Wiersbe says it best, few would deny the importance of Jesus. They would simply dethrone him. Here's the danger. They would give him prominence just without the preeminence. The risk we run is a faith family with Jesus being one of the many important things in our lives, but not being the most important person in our lives. Our sheer exposure to divine things can almost make us numb to how miraculous they are. The fact that some of us kind of grew up in and around church and we have so much of this story, not to memory, but to mind, we can kind of call it back that great privilege actually becomes our great threat. We can grow numb to this. And if we're not careful, we can go around even believing, oh yeah, yeah, Jesus, He's important. Maybe He's not first. So there's an irrefutable logic to what Paul's up to. If he's head in the church, he is to be preeminent in everything because... The Father has been pleased for His fullness. The Father in heaven has been pleased for His pleroma, for the fullness of God should dwell, should take up residence and be at home in this Jesus. Thirdly, Jesus Christ is first in the Christian salvation. You see in verses 21 and 23, He went first. Paul, who's writing this out, he knew what it was for Jesus to go first. Paul didn't want anything to do with this Jesus. We learn about Paul in the book of Acts. Paul's actually an enemy of the church. He's not trying to like make his way into God's kingdom. He's actually running an antithetical game on him. He's trying to tear down the church. He's literally out persecuting Christians. So when Paul sits down to write this out, this wasn't some Sunday school answer he grew up with and he knew better. When Paul writes this out for us in verses 21 and 23, Paul is speaking from personal experience. When Paul says, once you were alienated from God and you were his enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, he's not talking to other people. He's talking about his own story. His own story is our story as well. All of us through the bad things we've done to run from God, even those good things we've done to earn God's favor without having to have a cross in Jesus. This is what we're all ultimately guilty of. Paul can celebrate because this Jesus went first for him. He went first for you, Christian. He is the great initiator. He pursues us. He pursued Paul and he pursues us as well. So he went first. Like the song says, he sought me when a, as a stranger. When I was wandering from the fold of God, he'd rescue me from danger. I wasn't trying to rescue myself. He rescued me and interposed his precious blood. So he goes on in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. Paul says, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, in the old testament you chose a place to particularly god chose a place to particularly manifest himself and that was the tabernacle or the temple and now he chooses to make himself known in one person and that's jesus christ so calvin's our helper here whatever god has belongs in jesus and this jesus pursued you god has pursued you god has sought you And this makes the love of God unconditional. It doesn't matter where you're coming from. It doesn't matter what kind of background you've had. It doesn't matter how messed up your life has been. He's not looking for good records. He's not looking for good resumes. He's not looking for good performance. He just sees people who are all in different ways his enemies. And he initiates. He pursues. He reaches out. He rescues and he saves. And this leads to one conclusion, it's the fourth truth, it's here, and we're going to have some time to sit in this, to listen to the Lord, and to respond in worship. So Natalie, come on, Jesus is worthy then to be first in our lives. Now, let's just kind of sit here, right? I mean, it's Colossians 1, it's, we're taking some time to consider what would it look like to begin again. Any tension we feel, like tension that I feel in this and tension that you feel in this, is probably based upon the fact that there's some other things that are coming in first and we just don't want them to come in first. But other things have made their way into the center. And there's some things that that not, not me, I'm, I'm just a man. There are things that God, from His Word, like looking at the greatness of this Jesus, looking at the glory of this Jesus, looking at the honor and the worth that this Jesus has, independent of what we do with him. We feel this. We feel things that just make us think, like, he's worthy to come in first, but he's just not coming in first right now. But what do we do about it? We sit in the gospel and we let God convince us and we let God compel us in our hearts. Just think about the facts. Jesus is first. He's the creator over everyone and over everything. And he's the sustainer. He is the only reason, the only reason we're existing right now. doesn't matter how many minerals you take on board. Doesn't matter how much you brush and floss, I mean, how many glasses of water you drink, how many hours a night you sleep. It's the fact that He has not withdrawn His breath from us, that we're still here. It's about Him. Yeah? This isn't about us, it's about Him. And so, the point then, just that fact of the gospel is that Jesus is not one of many beautiful things that God created. He is the creating force. He is the creating power. He is the sustaining nature behind it all. And that God, that person, went first for us. Paul says he pursued a relationship with us when we weren't looking for him. He went to a bloody cross where he experienced torture and humiliation. Why? that was the price to buy us back have man and woman sitting beside each other in here different people from different postcodes and different parts of the world sitting elbow to elbow learning what it is to be a family that was the price and he went and he gave his life he gave he gave it all In in any other story, in any other worldview, this doesn't make any sense. You'd expect him just to wipe everybody out, but he doesn't choose to wipe the slate clean. He chooses to pursue. He chose to pursue me as a stranger, as a wanderer, as an enemy. He chose to pursue, and he chose to give his blood to have a people. Therefore, Paul is saying, Colossians says, and the whole Bible says, this one, this one, this Jesus, he deserves to come first. And he will never be content to be one God on a list of gods. He endures with us as we kind of have him as one priority on a list of priorities but he has an aim for all of this. He has a goal. He has us on a a flight path. He has us on a trajectory. We're going somewhere. If we're rooted in him, and if we're resting in him, if we're abiding in him, then season after season, year after year, decade after decade, we're going to look more like him. Thanks be to God. He's conforming us to the very image of the Son. But we begin with this: this God who exists in a class by himself is first. So, like Faith Family, like I'm, I'm gonna ask you some questions I've been asking of myself. What would it look like for him to come in first? What would it look like for Jesus to be first in my family? What would it look like for Jesus to be first in my marriage? What would it look like for Jesus to be first in my profession? What would it look like for Jesus to come in first in mission and ministry for me? But we can turn this beyond any of us personally. Like, as we're a faith family. What would it look like for Jesus to come in first in our intellect? Across the room, what does it look like for Jesus to come in first place in terms of our time? First place in terms of our love's? First place in terms of our conversations. First place in terms of our desires. First place in terms of our eating. First place in terms of our drinking. First place in terms of art. First place in terms of music. First place in terms of what we watch. First place in terms of what we listen to. The first agenda when we get into a relationship with somebody. The first thing we have in mind when we are in conflict with each other. This isn't about money. This is about him coming in first in all parts of our lives. So Jesus is not one more priority then on a list of priorities that we're about and are important in our lives. What if this was the day? What if these weeks could even mark like an index for you, like the turning of a page When you, in your own journey with Jesus, and then with us in our corporate journey with Jesus, we saw Jesus as more of the page itself that all the priorities get written into. Not just a drawer, but we see Jesus as the whole wardrobe itself in which we're going to store other things, and we're going to let other things rest, and we're going to come back. But He's the place where we classify it all. How weird would it be if my wife Elizabeth being my, my woman, like my top woman. How inappropriate would it be if I treated her like the third or the fourth? He wants our hearts and He will have them. So, two questions for us, and we'll sit in this in a minute. Not just, is Jesus first? But the first question is Is Jesus present? Is there any drawer? Is there any line where He's just not present? the next step for us is to to welcome him into that part of our life. Say, Jesus, I I want you to get to first. I'm gonna take some work. He knows that I do. So yeah, you open up that door. You open up that dresser and you let him come in and be present. And for those areas of our lives where he is present, then it's up to us and you don't have to answer to me It's up to us to answer to him. Does he come in first? What in the world would make us want to put him first? It's only the gospel. Everything else is gonna be rules. Everything else is gonna be legalism. Everything else is me just imposing some stuff on you. And I don't have that for you and I don't want that for you. Hold up the gospel. This one who loved you first, this one who sought you first, as we just take two weeks just to sit in this and think, man, what would it look like for him to to be the top priority, for him to come in first? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 8 and 9. Paul was actually talking to a church community about generosity. And I love, love, love how he actually just motivated them with the gospel. So we conclude here. I'm not commanding you But I do want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Just take a moment to sit in the presence of our God, to receive. Maybe there's a word that he has for you specifically from Colossians 1, what we've sung and what we've worshiped about today. Let's just sit in this moment. Let's receive. across this room grateful for you grateful for your pursuing love father it's your word that's incredibly bright and it's incredibly clear that's a way of lighting things up for us so God we come to you this afternoon as your people God would you help me God would you help us would you overwhelm us with your love Would your kindness and your goodness to us become so real and so evident that we wouldn't hold on to our lives so dearly or account them to be much, but we would have real treasure in you, real value in you, and you would become first for us in every aspect of our lives. So Father, together, we open up the the hold on our heart. Father, we say, would you come and would you have your way in us? For those of us that need a fresh start, we pray that you would help us to begin again. Father, we pray that you would come and you would make yourself at home in us. We pray that you would move around whatever's necessary to come in first and receive the honor, receive the worth, receive the glory from our lives that you deserve. We want to give it to you. So we pray that you would help us too. We ask for it together in Jesus' name. Amen.